If your heart is troubled, return to Jesus and trust in him. If your heart is troubled, return to Jesus and trust in him. We often forget that the holy apostles themselves um, had troubled hearts, and specifically troubled hearts at this very moment in time. As Deacon Zach read from our gospel reading, John chapter 14, Jesus and the apostles are in the upper room. They're together in that, um, in that holy of holies, as it were, before our Lord went into his passion. That place where our Lord Jesus Christ would bend down on a knee and undo the towel from around his waist and wash the disciples' feet and say, you are to do likewise. And if you won't let me wash you, you have no part in me. It was also there that our Lord Jesus gave that great commandment. Do you remember from John 13, the command that governs our Maundy Thursday service? The command is, you are to love one another as what? As I have loved you. A lot of beauty going on. A lot of things to be really excited about, except for the fact that our Lord tells Peter at that moment in the upper room, look, where I am going, you cannot go for now. That there's a separation coming. That our Lord was on the way to his passion. And that Peter, in particular, but the other disciples couldn't follow him fully because he had something to accomplish that only his life and only his death could accomplish. But they saw it coming. Here it is the separation to come, that the Lord was going to be away from them for a little while, and so their hearts were troubled. But they were not only troubled because our Lord would be moving away from them, going away for a time before appearing again to them into 500 or so after the resurrection. They were also troubled because around the table, there was one who would betray our Lord. And the Lord said to Judas, go and do what you have to do. Could you imagine the holy apostles thinking to themselves, he's been with us this whole time and here he goes? Troubled hearts. The Lord is moving into a, a life that they cannot fully yet go into. Judas is going to betray our Lord. There is anxiety, a troubled spirit. That word in Greek, troubled, means unsettled, uneasy heart. Let not your hearts be troubled. But you see, not only was there Judas, not only was the Lord saying, I will be away from you for a time, there was Peter himself. Just before our reading, the Lord comes to St. Peter, I say comes to him, probably turns to him, and says, before the rooster crows, you will do what to me? You will deny me three times. Can you imagine being a holy apostle sitting around that last Passover thinking to yourself, what is going on? You're going away, and we can't go with you there for now. Judas is going to betray you. Peter, the rock, Petros, the first among the apostles, he is going to deny you three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Let not your heart be troubled, our Lord says to all of them. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me that troubled spirit, troubled heart, that anxious heart 
was one that the disciples had. And we know that because Jesus wouldn't have said what he said if their hearts weren't troubled. There's a footnote in your Bible. You might have read over it as Deacon Zach was reading. Verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. And there's a footnote here in your Bible. And all, all good Bibles will have this footnote. Other, other um, manuscripts say, or this, you believe in God. So, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You see, the antidote to a troubled heart, my brothers and sisters, is faith. It is trust. It is trust. And it is so very difficult for us human beings to trust anyone, let alone our Lord, even as Christians. We talked in Sunday school this morning about the law of undulation as C.S. Lewis talks about our lives are like this, up and down, up and down. Jesus is saying to the disciples and to you and to me this morning, if your hearts are troubled, if your spirit is troubled within you, though you believe in God, trust in me, believe in me. Our text goes on, verse 2. Jesus grounds the reasons why the disciples should trust in Him, not just the Father, but in Jesus, by giving a promise. This promise is in our Anglican um, liturgy for funerals. It's an option for one of the gospel passages that can be read. You know it well. Jesus promises to them, in my Father's house are many rooms. Well, the old KGV says many mansions. There it is, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. The disciples would have heard this promise about the future of what we would say is heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem coming out of the, uh, out of the clouds, coming down to earth. They would have heard this in, in the vein of, of Abram. Remember Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, and he had all his household, 318 men, by the way, and more women and children and animals that left Earl of the Chaldeans to follow God. They were living in tents at that time, and there would have been a tent, and near that tent would have been all these smaller tents around for those who were in his household to dwell. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to the Father where there is a place prepared for you, a tent. I mean, think about St. Peter again. He's probably thinking, man, I tried to put a tent on that Mount of Transfiguration. Now, that didn't go so well. wanted to live then and now. And Jesus is saying, no, it's in the future. But then even the apostles living um, in that time for century Palestine would have seen too, and you can see this in Ephesus and other places even today, that there would be a household where the pater familias lived, the big room, the dining hall, his house, his room and his bride, but then also built adjacent to that were little rooms for all those in the household. Jesus has gone on to prepare a place in heaven because of the resurrection for the holy apostles and for you and for me who would believe. Trust him. Trust him. He said, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to return to you, and I'm going to bring you to him. But this, of course, sets out confusion. Confusion for St. Thomas. 
If you remember in your elementary school days, there was always that one child that when the teacher said something that was really idiosyncratic, that kid would raise their hand and just say, um, teacher, we have no clue what you're trying to tell us. <laughs> you know, were you that person maybe? I don't know. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. But they would raise their hand and say, I don't know exactly what you mean. And St. Thomas plays that part mercifully for us, letting us not be ashamed to ask questions of God. But before Thomas speaks up, I want us to hear verse 4. Jesus ends his statement before Thomas speaks, saying this. Listen, Jesus says to them, and you know the way to where I am going. We read over that so quickly. Jesus tells them, you know the way to where I am going. Thinking the apostles are like, are you kidding me? Do we know the way? No, Thomas is going to say, we don't know the destination. And if we don't know the destination, how do we even know the way to get there? What is going on? He raises his hand. But how fascinating is it that Jesus says, you guys, I'm about to go away. But you know the way. And why is that? Because the way was the one speaking to them. Amen? He was the one speaking to them. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way. I didn't show you the way. I didn't point over here and say, do these few things, acts of righteousness over here. This is the path to God the Father. Jesus says, I am the way. What a difficult, under, what a difficult statement to understand fully. But let me try to attempt to explain it to us anew and afresh. Have you ever been given directions somewhere by someone? Think before cell phones. It's hard to imagine. Before MapQuest, map I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Before all of that, someone's thinking, yes, it is still a thing. Okay, I didn't know that. Before MapQuest, Google Maps, have you ever had anyone give you directions somewhere and they're like, okay, go south on 65, 10 miles, turn off at exit 216, make your first left, and then after you get to that first left, make a right, you're going to go three houses down, and behind that is, a, you know, is um, I don't know, this kind of you know, backwoods alley, go over there until you see you know, Uncle Joe and the rocker, go a little bit further, you know, a few furlongs, and, and then you'll be there. Okay, there's a difference in that and someone showing up saying, it doesn't matter, I am the one who's getting you there. Get in the vehicle. <laughs> Have you ever had that? Someone says, no, no, I've got it. Just get in the vehicle with me. I'm taking you there. That is what the Lord is saying to his holy apostles and to you and to me. I'm not pointing, Jesus says, to the way. Go and do a few things over here as a good Christian and that's gonna be the way to the Father. He says, I am the way. My existence, my life, my suffering, my passion, my resurrection, your baptism, your receiving the sacrament, your reading the scriptures, your prayer, your communication in love with one another as the household of faith. Those things are the way. Why? Because Jesus is present in all of them. Amen? He is present in them. He is the way. You know the way. So trust in him. But this begs the question, how then do we come to him? We don't see him. We can't hold him. We can't behold him yet face to face as we will. 
So how do we behold him? Well, the Holy Scriptures and the church has said, you behold him in the preaching of the word, in the reading of the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You partake of his body and blood through the blessed sacrament. You participate in the life of Jesus when you pray for one another, when you encourage one another, when you enter into sufferings that others are going through, trials and tribulations, when you remind them, hey, let not your heart be troubled, my dear brother or sister. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus. In those ways we participate and partake in Jesus who is the way. He goes on to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then he gives that exclusive statement, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Too many times the church has lost the exclusivity of Jesus' words here. That there are not multiple ways to the Creator God, the Father, to Yahweh. There are not multiple ways. There's actually only one way. And it's not a set of ideas. It's not a set of works or actions. It is a person. It is Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God made flesh. God Himself made flesh. One commentator notes that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not, only, he's not hitting at, at three just very philosophical and ethereal things. He's actually saying all these collapse into me, into my person, into the work that I am doing. But this commentator goes on to say, the East, and when I say the East, I mean culturally speaking the East, the Eastern part of the world, they are fascinated with the Tao, for instance, the way, literally the way. How do we find God? And Jesus says, I am the way. And in the West, we are fascinated with veritas, with, with truth, either denying truth or trying to find truth at all costs. And Jesus says, in me resides the truth of the universe. And then finally, all of us around the world are longing and desiring for a joyful, fulfilled life. And Jesus says, I am the life, the eternal life. The life that when it is given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit is a life that goes through death, extends beyond death into eternity. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus himself. How many of you have read The Silver Chair? It's in the Narnia series. A few of you have, okay. Um, again, Anglican preachers can get caught up in Lewis so much that they quote Lewis more than they do the Holy Bible. Anathema, I say. But I am going to paraphrase Lewis in this exchange between Jill and the lion, Aslan, that represents he's the Christ figure in Narnia, okay? Jill is thirsty and she's dying of thirst. Some of you here, I know, are dying of thirst, are in need of following again and anew the living water, Jesus himself. She's dying of thirst. She's dehydrated. She's parched. And she's walking down and kind of, well, I say over a hill, and then down the hill in this valley, there is a beautiful river of flowing, pure, crystal clear water. And if you've ever been really thirsty, like I am right now, actually, I'm taking a drink. I'm about to allergies going on. She sees that water. 
But she stops because between her and the water is the lion. Is Aslan, is this Christ figure. And she pauses and she doesn't know what to do. Because she believes that if she gets close to that water, there's a chance that he's going to take her out. And there's an exchange that happens. You might remember this. Jill looks at the lion, the Christ figure, and, and says, you know, basically, uh, hello, I'm really thirsty, and I'm dying of thirst, and I need the water, the living water. Can you promise that you won't hurt me? Translation, that you won't require anything from me, that you won't do anything to me, you won't kill me. And, and Aslan says, no, I actually, I can't promise any of this. You've got to trust, you've got to come. Well, she stops and she contemplates again and she says, but have you killed girls like me or boys or men or women or, or princes or kings or whole nations? Have you devoured them before? And he says, yes, matter of fact, I, I have. And she's even more pensive and now skeptical of whether or not she should go to the water. She's thirsty. She doesn't know what to do. And she finally says, okay, I'm not going to go. I'm going to find another stream. And you know what the lion's response is? Which is our Lord's response here in John 14? There is no other stream. There is no other stream. When you and I, we, we, we follow mirages in our life, and we go and we say, if I can just have this water from over here, it's the, the celebrity, the, the self-help, if I can just make a little more money, if I can just have this in my house, if I can just have more friends, if I can have this, that, or the other, everything besides our Lord, it's like you're drinking salt water from the ocean, from the sea. It doesn't quench your thirst. It actually eventually will only do what? Make you sick and destroy you. Jesus says, I am the way. So, brothers and sisters, let me conclude with this. If your heart is troubled this morning, trust in Jesus who is the way. Trust in him who is the way. And how do you trust? You come to church, yes. Come to Sunday school, yes. I'm paid to say all these things. We offer these things because in it, you will meet Jesus himself. Come. For those of you that are baptized and living life of repentance, receive the word of the Holy Spirit through me. Forget whatever needs to be forgotten from this sermon. Come to the table. Receive our Lord. Be strengthened. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God the Father. Believe also in Jesus the Son. Amen.